Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello there and welcome to today's uh, podcast. We're doing episode 734 today. And I have a really interesting and special guest, Dave Combs. And I'm excited to have him. And you'll find out as we go along. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kellen. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to get into this discussion. It's going to be lively and interesting. I just know it. It is. And so here's something that I know. I The minute I saw his picture before we jumped onto the recording, I saw the piano in the background and the book. And I knew we had a heart uh, connection already. Uh, because uh, I've been playing the piano since I can't remember when, and I'm sure Dave has too. So Dave, I just want you to, before we even start, tell me a little bit about your relationship to the piano. Well, I, I guess, now, first of all, you understand that I was born in East Tennessee, a little town called Irwin up in Upper East Tennessee. <clears throat> and if you know anything about Tennessee, you usually arrive at Nashville and music. And I think that it's a requirement. If you live and are born in Tennessee, you have to play an instrument of some kind. I mean, that's a requirement. So uh, my mother and my father both played the piano. My grandmother Combs, who was born in 1894, before electricity and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the little house she lived in didn't have, uh, we had an outhouse in the back out in the yard. I remember have some uh, vivid memories of uh, going to the restroom and, and in the wintertime is not a pleasant experience. But <laughs> anyway, my granny, she also was a wonderful musician. And her instrument, and those of you watching will see this, this is her auto harp. Now, Mother Maybelle Carter was the one that kind of made this famous. This That was Johnny Cash's mother-in-law. Uh, she played this uh, an auto harp like this. In fact, she was born in lived in an area right close to my grandma. But I would go to my granny's house and she'd have me tune up her auto harp uh, and she would sit there and play hymns and play music. And so that was just part of my DNA was my mother, my father, my grandfather, and all my friends of folks at church played. And so music was just around me all the time in school. I had a wonderful high school music teacher who was kind of like, if you've seen the movie, Mr. Holland's Opus, he was my Mr. Holland. Yeah. And uh, Uncle Pat, we called him, and he instilled a, a love of music in all of us kids, and and not just uh, playing, but music, choral music. He was a great choral conductor. And so I ended up uh, my junior and senior year in college. I was also the part-time choir director at my church. They, you know, paid me a little bit each week to help me get through college. And uh, so that was my last two years of college. And then first two years of working in my career at Western Electric, I also was part-time minister of music at a local church. And so music has always been a big part of my life. And, you know, I've always gotten, I know one of your things is, uh, is joy in life. You need to have a lot of joy. Well, music has always given me a lot of joy. I love playing music. 
I love listening to music, almost any kind of music. And uh, it's just been a, a big part of me. And I grew up in a church and one of the, when I would think I was in high school, when somebody gave our church a brand new baby grand Steinway piano. Oh, I thought that instrument sounded as pure and clear as anything I'd ever touched in my life. It was just an inspiration to play it. So my dream was always to own a Steinway piano. And later in life here, the piano behind me you see is a Steinway B that I was able to purchase in 1991 from the profits that I made, believe it or not, from my music that I had sold. So it's that's a kind of a one of those long life stories where the, the thread is pretty long and, and even that was, you know, 30 some years ago and then, but the piano is still sounds as good today as it did in 1991 when I picked it out in the showroom. So that's a special thing. And we could talk all day about how individual instruments are and going to the showroom and touching <laughs> them. And if you buy a brand new D, the nine foot, you get to go, to, you know, they'll, they'll fly it at the Germany factory if you want to and <laughs> pick them out and all that stuff. So we won't do that because that's not what we're doing today, but my heart sings with that, uh, that story. So here's the first question, and it's really the only question that I always ask, and then we'll go from there, and that's this. So the purpose of this podcast is to help the listeners um, both hear stories about the ultimate life and also believe they can have it. And I define the ultimate life as a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create by serving with your gifts. And the question I always ask is, how would you, that's my definition, how would you define your ultimate life? Well, you know, Kellen, you and I have almost exactly not just a lot else in common, but that we have a common in that too. I also believe that same definition of your your purpose and and how you get to using your gift because to me my music was a gift. I have always looked at it as a gift that God gave me over the years and and especially the song, the first song I ever wrote was I was 34 years old when I wrote that song. And that was Rachel's song. And looking back on that event, it was a gift to me that basically turned, not only blessed my life, but everyone that I played it for and everyone that has heard it since. And, and your audience, I'm sure after we're finished, will be able to go and l listen to Rachel's song. It is a very special inspired piece of music that is it's not going to be something complicated. It's not going to be something fancy. It's going to be s simplistic and powerful at the same time. It's an instrumental piece, mainly piano, with just some strings and horns instrumentation behind it, but mainly piano. But that song uh, was named after our godchild. We were invited to be the godparents of a little girl named Rachel. I played the song at her christening service, and when I finished, I said, we're going to call this Rachel's song from now on in her honor. The song title stuck, and I ended up by another, uh, I guess, kind of, I call it a God wink. I was working in Nashville, Tennessee, and in my job at AT&T, and my wife says, why don't you go get a demo recording made of Rachel's song while you're there in Nashville? Okay. So long story short, I did find a studio and a musician by the name of Gary Prim, who turned out to be a lifelong friend and like a brother to me. But Gary Prim took my little simple song, which uh, from a, a, this is the original lead sheet 
Kellen, that I wrote out of the song that's called Rachel's Song. For those of you watching, you can see that it's just the melody written down and the chords of a song. doesn't even have a title. It just says copyright David M. Combs, 1981. That's the year I wrote it. And so I took this little piece of paper, gave it to Gary Prim, who's a professional keyboard player in, in Nashville, Tennessee, and he recorded it, as you will hear it later when you listen to Rachel's song, in a little studio in 1986, on August 22nd. I never will forget it, August 22nd, 1986. And that original demo recording is the same one that you're going to hear when you pl hit play Rachel's song from my website. It's the it's on all my albums uh, or that are that have Rachel's song on them, and uh, it's that original song. And everyone I played that song for was touched by it. It it my purpose became then to spread that music around to as many people as I could. And shortly after that was recorded, that was in 1986. By 1992, I was able to quit my job. So that's what, six years later, I was able to quit my job and do nothing but promote and produce music and get it spread around the whole country. And, and today it's around the world on the internet instantly. But uh, that has really focused, I guess is the best, best way I can put it, is put a focus on my purpose. You know, you're, you're going through life as a young person, and I'm, you know you've experienced the same thing. You're going through, you're, you try this, you do this, you're, you're pretty good at this, but then you hit a roadblock here, and you, you try something else. You know, and, and it's okay to have a lot of interest and a lot of, uh, not clarity, in your direction in your life. And some of us take longer than others to get that clarity of where we're going to go. But for me... Once I hit the recording of Rachel's song and saw, seeing the effect of what that had on people, I have heard, Kellen, from over 50,000 people about that song. I have in my basement big old moving-sized boxes full of letters and notes from people pouring their heart and soul out, telling me how my song touched their life. And that was really the impetus for writing my book. You know, that Touched by the Music is the title of my book. And so I, I said, well, here's 50,000 people telling me that I've, they've been touched by my music, and I've got all these stories about how I've navigated through all this decision of where am I going to go with my life, how am I going to get to my ultimate life, so to speak, and getting some clarity of that. And so the book came about last in the last year. This time last year is when I started writing it. Um, and uh, it's now I'm sorry two years ago this it's been out now a year but uh, two years ago in the pandemic is when I decided I'm sitting at home can't go out to eat can't go visit my relatives and friends what am I gonna do take and write these stories down and put them on paper and get it published in a book and I know you've written many books and know the the power that it has to get that word out there and you can touch people that you never ever would have touched before through your words that you write in your book and that's been my experience with mine too i i poured my my stories and my soul into the book to tell it and uh, it's i think it's a interesting inspiring read and i encourage people to get a hold of it or listen to it on audible i i read the th i'll read it to you on audible if you like <laughs> i love that so i need to ask you some questions I could just let you keep going, but I want to dig into some things. 50,000 okay. people 
have described somewhere between a little and maybe extremely profound effects from from listening to the song. And I'm going to recast the song as the inspiration of the divine through your through you and then your willingness to create it, your willingness to go get it recorded, your willingness to then promote it, when in the beginning, every artist of any kind, whether it's music or art or writing or anything, you know, doesn't know if people will like you and, you know, people <laughs> might hate you or think whatever they think, right? And yeah. now you have this proof. Why? So there's a whole bunch of questions. So I'm going to just do one at a time. Okay. Why do you think... 50,000 people in round numbers have been touched by this song, which doesn't have lyric, which is just music. What is in this music? What power is in there that touches them? Tell me a little bit about that. I have struggled with that same question myself for many years. And, and it all always comes back to this, this divine inspiration that it somehow it has to be God speaking through that music to someone. I've had letters, Kellen, that people wrote to me that said, you know, I do not know whether you're a Christian or not, but I hear a Christian message in that music. And I thought, wow, how is that possible? Because there is, no, like you said, there's no words. There's, uh, it's just the music. And so I really believe there's some, you know, we, we have words and language in a way of communicating. There is another way to communicate, I believe, through music. And you can make people happy. You can make people sad. You can get their feet moving and that dancing with a, you know, a upbeat tempo kind of thing. Or you can slow it down with a, a minor key chord and make a melancholy meth, uh, message. So there is a way of communicating. And I think at least for me, since I know that the song was inspired, I did not sit down to write Rachel's song. I sat down and I played it. I literally had with my hands on the keyboard one evening in 1981. I played it, the song from the beginning to the end. It never changed. It was exactly as you hear it on the recording in terms of the melody. It's never changed from the very first time I ever played it. I did not have to work at writing it because I didn't even consider myself writing it. I was just playing because it sounded great on the piano. So, so I know it was inspired. I tr I completely trust and believe and agree. And I want every person that's listening to this to understand that several important points. Number one, inspiration is real. It came uh, because you were open. It came because you said to yourself, uh, I'm going to be open, whether you did it explicitly or just your walk of life. So you were open to inspiration. After you felt it and you did it, you didn't say, oh, I don't know if that's any good or anything else. You allowed that to be what it was. And each one of those things is a choice that people get to make and often a detour, right? Something will happen and then they'll make a detour and they say, well, maybe that isn't that good or, well, maybe someone won't like it or whatever. And those are all places where we make excuses or we fail to believe in ourselves or we fail to trust that inspiration. So that's something I heard. And the other thing I heard is you, you prepared yourself through your musical background and you allowed yourself to be a gift to others. You allowed your talent to be a gift to others. And as a coach, I hear so many people who talk about, I just had a coaching call this morning with a small group coaching program that I run. And there was a lady on there who 
has struggled. I've known her for many years, and she's very successful, but she struggled with the idea that she personally has something valuable to contribute. And your point, and I love it, is that it was God's contribution through you. So he made a use of your gift to spread message of happiness, of uplift, of deep touching of people through you know, through the thing that you wrote. And the last thing I wanted to emphasize that you said was that if there is a way that the infinite, the divine, whatever you call it, we can call it God, communicates with us through things other than language. There is a spirit, there is a truth that permeates all existence. And it is, in my belief, founded on love, the love that is the unity that holds everything together. And that doesn't have to be communicated through words. And in fact, I would argue that words aren't even the most effective and powerful way to communicate. And your your comment was, gee, there's something in this music thingy that has power <laughs> that just sort of did it. And I would agree 100%. Well, you know, it's ironic that you were talking about love, because if you look on the back of my book, there is a, an, a, an endorsement from a, somebody I know that you, most of your listeners will know, my good friend Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman is the author of the Five Love Languages book, mm -hmm. and we were talking about language being more than just words. Well, Gary's written a whole book about the five different ways that you can express love with without using necessarily just words. But Gary is a, is actually is a, has been a friend of mine for a long time, but uh, he wrote an endorsement for my book as well. But uh, the language of music and the, the, the connection through music has, has just been, to me, illustrated that it is so powerful. I mean, can you imagine, when's the last time any of your listeners have sat down and, and went to the trouble to write a musician a letter? You know, first of all, you got to find out how do I get a hold of them? What's their address? And then what do you want to say? That's a lot of trouble to sit down and write a musician or an artist a letter. And for me to have gotten 50,000 of those tells me that uh, how many thousands didn't go to the trouble to do that? That means there's probably millions of people who had a similar response, but just didn't have, didn't know how to get a hold of me, that kind of thing. So, that connection and that inspiration from all those people. And you would not believe the number of different ways that people said the music touched them. You know, I, I could not have crafted uh, all of these. And, and some people said, please don't write any words to your song. Said, when I listen to it, I want to hear my own thoughts and words in the music, not what some poet or some lyricist has written. So I've never put words to it. But people will tell me about how they they played it at their weddings. They played it for the birth of their child. They played it at the funeral of their loved one who that was that loved one's favorite song. They've, they've played it as offertories in church, you know, uh, preludes, uh, and, and on and on and on. So, and it's from every emotion that you can imagine, from pain and suffering. People have used it to relieve their pain and suffering. Uh, one lady who did, who that was her, Interest, uh, introduction to Rachel's song. She wrote an article for me, with me for Guidepost magazine. Her name is Roberta Messner, and this was in 1994. The article is called Two Part Harmony, 
And it's simply the story of my music and how I uh, wrote Rachel's song and how it led to my quitting my job. But Roberta and I connected through my music and because Rachel's song had helped her through her painful illness herself. So the connections and the, <laughs> the, 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 the network of all that is just totally mind-blowing, and it continues to be that way. So your, the story, what we've explored so far is your story of being raised as, as a musician, developing your gift, singing, playing, having church stuff all around your relatives, parents, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and then being open to that, being touched by the Spirit at least once, and I'm sure there are other stories and other things, but this is the one that has grown and made you successful and allowed you to quit your job and write a book and buy a Steinway B and, you know, do all <laughs> this cool stuff. Well, those are all fabulous things. Uh, I want you to think for a minute about how many places in that journey could you have said, oh, this is too hard. Oh, it won't work all been discouraged. How many places were there that you could have taken a, a detour that would mean you and I would not be sitting here having this conversation? Well, you know, those are, uh, I, it's, I'm glad you said it that way because the editor that I worked for with in writing my book, he and I came up with basically uh, different moments in your life. There are threat, there are defining moments Mm -hmm. Those are those are moments in your life you don't have any control over, but they define what happened. The, things like 9/11 was a defining moment for this country. You know, we didn't couldn't have never predicted that, but it defined a lot of things. That's a defining moment. Something that happens that you have no control over. Then there is a threshold moment, and that's what you're really talking about in my life. Is where did you get up to this threshold of a door? Do I and you decide? Do I go through this door? and see what's on the other side, or do I stand here and think about it for the rest of my life and never know? And so those are threshold moments. And I had have had so many of, you know, I could have said, ah, Linda, I don't think I want to record Rachel's song. I, it's, it's, I don't know how to do that, and, blah, 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 and never re recorded it. And then what would have happened? Nothing. So, and then, and when I went to find a studio, I found, I was, I found an engineer that introduced me to Gary Prim, and what if I said, well, I don't know, I'm, maybe I won't call him, and, and I just, so I, but I did decide to do that. And then what if I decided to uh, just not write any more music, just like, well, Rachel's song, I'll just, I'll enjoy that, but I'll not do any more. Nope, I didn't do that either. I decided, I think God is telling me, okay, Dave, <laughs> you can do this. I'll help you write some more. So I did. I wrote more music. Ended up writing over 120 songs, four, uh, recorded over 14 albums of music with Gary Prim. And it was one of those things where I didn't know whether I was going to be able to write another song, but I would sit down at the piano and the inspiration would come, sometimes quickly and sometimes not so quickly, to write another song. But I ended up with over 120 that I've written and Gary and I have recorded in the studio. And you can find out all about those from my website, of course. But... Well, I'm going to ask you about that before we're done, because I'm sure people are going to want to know where to find Rachel's song, all your songs and books, everything else. So we'll get to that in a minute. And I want to, and I want to make sure that people can follow up because your story is amazing. Um, I am sure that you see and know other people around you, maybe in music and maybe in just life, who've come to those threshold moments and been afraid 
or discouraged or feel like they've been hurt too much in the past or that some of the defining moments have ruined their chances. You know, someone who has some kind of negative stuff, abuse or hardship or something in their past and th therefore they shy away from those threshold moments. What would you say to someone who is frightened for whatever reason? Something has happened to them or their doubts of their own abilities or their doubts of connection with the divine or their doubts about there being anything or their doubts about their own ability or that they even have anything. And they, they know those threshold moments, yet they feel like maybe they've shied away or it's too late or whatever the story is. What would you say to a person who is talking to you in a manner that makes you say in your mind they're at a threshold moment, how can I help? You know, there's I've, I have had those many occasions to talk to people about that because you can, at a, a an inflection point in your life, you can decide, uh, you need to decide what to either take action or not. And my thing is that the, the, almost always you need to act on what you're, uh, you're trying to either solve or produce or create. Uh, if you sit there and think about it all day long, nothing's ever going to happen. And so, but uh, you need to take action and ask yourself, you know, if, if I do this, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, and a lot of times the worst king, thing that can happen is it doesn't go anywhere or nothing really ever happens. Well, that's no big deal. Well, it, what's the best thing that could happen? Then you, you think about that, oh, well, that would be really great. Well, you need to state take some action and make plans and do something to move you toward your, the goal that you're trying to get or to get, break through whatever it is you're working on. Uh, and that taking action is the key. And don't do it by yourself. You know, I've always found that uh, when I run into a roadblock or something I don't understand or know how to do it, there's always somebody that you can reach out to to say, can you help me understand this or work my way through this? They'll, so surround yourself with people that will assist you to move forward in your life and to get toward your, your goals in life. And don't try to do it yourself. Uh, this is a, a world full of connections, especially today with the Internet and everything. You can, you can connect with somebody halfway around the world in just an well, instant. Aren't we doing that? I mean, I'm in Edmonton, well, Alberta, Canada. Where are you? I'm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and then we might as well just be next door. I mean, it's, uh, it's incredible. All right. So here's an example. I love it. So action rather than thinking some more. Uh, no, no paralysis. And uh, analyzing what's the worst and best that can happen. The worst that can happen is nothing. And maybe there's 47 nothings before anything happened. But you know what? 47 nothings doesn't kill you. If one, number 48 or number 1,000 in Edison's case, as the story goes, creating the light bulb like if you don't do you won't ever get anywhere and the second thing you said i love is well use two parts one uh, get help like don't do this alone and surround yourself with people that encourage that say maybe that you know i got a client right now that he's an artist he's a painter and he he says well i like to chase the maybes well chasing the maybes has put him this last weekend in Florida, Miami at Art Basel, which is probably the largest artistic showcase in the world. Wow. Held four times a year in Miami and Paris and Basel, Switzerland, and in Japan, Tokyo. And here he is, first time in his life in Art Basel. And he, I, I'm, the messages I'm getting back from him, he may now be set for life. 
But it took yeah. him 11 years of doing art every single day, saying yes, to get there. And now he's at this place that he can't even imagine. Yeah. Well, you know, who would have thought 40 years ago that I would have 14 albums, over 170 songs recorded, have made enough money from my music to have left a full-time job of, with a career at AT&T, and to done nothing but my music full time and enjoy life with my wife, who's also an incredible person. She is, uh, uh, we could talk all day about all her career. It's an, an incredible journey. We, but we've been married coming up on 53 years. That is a long time. And I'm just so thrilled that, that I rent. And it's one of those life events. I could take you back and we could talk for hours about how did you meet Linda? Well, almost everybody that's married can can tell you the story of how they met their 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 spouse. Uh, it, it's always a wonderful story, and uh, those kind of blessings are just uh, I love to share. But it's another one of those things where things happen, and you take some action, and that action leads to an event, and you know, and that the rest is history. Yeah, you said yes to some invitations, whether they were spiritual, internal, intuitive, or whatever. She said yes to some invitations, whether they were intuitive or from your mouth or her thoughts or anybody. And you never know where those those yeses go, those opportunities, those thresholds. Mm -hmm. So this is spectacular. I want you to, uh, right here at this place, tell me everywhere that someone can find you. Your story is appealing. I love your book. I haven't read it, but I would recommend it. Uh, I love you already because you play the piano. And so we <laughs> share that forever. And you've got a few years on me. You said you're 75. I'll be 67 this coming Friday. So you've got a few minutes on me in the cosmic <laughs> scheme of things, but only a few minutes. And so I love all that. And I want you to just be thorough and tell anybody where they can find your music, your story, your book, your wisdom, and your heart. Well, for those that want to go online and read about my music and my book and so forth and listen to Rachel's song, you can go to my website. It's Combs Music, C-O-M-B-S Music.com. Webpage is very simple. On the left is a picture of my book. On the right is a picture of my CD of Rachel's song. And in the middle, there's a button that says play Rachel's song. And when you click on that button, if turn on your speaker system and sit back and listen to that original demo recording of Rachel's song. And then there are, of course, there's links across the top of the page for all my other albums and articles. I've, I've done 150 or so podcasts. You can listen to me talk for uh, over a hundred hours. If you want to, I doubt <laughs> if you would want to, but uh, anyway, all that's on my, my website. And for those of you that are just into streaming the music on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Amazon, uh, Apple Music, all of those. The artist's name is Gary Prim, G-A-R-Y, and then last name is Prim, P-R-I-M. And of course, if you'll say, play uh, Rachel's song by Gary Prim, you'll hear Rachel's song. Or so just say, play some music by Gary Prim, and you'll hear some of my other recordings. So all in your streaming media, just, you know, search for uh, Gary Prim is the artist or Combs Music. I think most of the most of them search best by artist, I think. So just go by Gary Prim. And Gary and I, have we're, we're like brothers. He is just a marvelous. He and his wife, Julie, are just fabulous people, live in Nashville, Tennessee. And 
you'll enjoy, I know you'll enjoy it because Gary is such a talented musician. He is used in the studio by, you can't name a, a recording artist in Nashville that hadn't used Gary as a session musician. I mean, all the big names. So he's a very talented musician and I'm so blessed that he and I connected up over 40 years ago and it's just been uh, amazing. That's fantastic. I am so grateful. We've come to the conclusion of the 30 minutes that I usually use or a little over, and that's good. Uh, is there any, I, I love your story. I love your heart. I love your face. I love your piano. Is there <laughs> anything else that you want to leave with our listeners in terms of encouragement about saying yes, encouragement about believing that their life of purpose, prosperity, and joy is in their control, and they don't need to win the lottery or a bunch of magic to happen that by doing what you said taking actions and saying yes to opportunities or even saying yes to some maybes that they can create that life of, of purpose prosperity and joy what else what last thing can you leave us with by way of encouragement my last bit of encouragement would be for people to seriously discover your gifts if you don't know what your gifts are already spend some time thinking about what are your God-given gifts. Now, gifts doesn't mean you're a famous painter or a famous musician or a famous orator or whatever. Your gifts, gifts come in all sizes and shapes. You may be a person whose smile just lights up a room. You can walk into a room, oh, there is so-and-so. Everybody in there loves that person. That's a gift. Use that gift. So my, my, my point is, Find your gift, and they're probably gifts, plural. Find what those are and give them away. Gifts are made to be given away. This is, we're in December now as we record this, and Christmas time is coming up. And of course, this is the gift giving season. So, so think about your gifts and how you can, you can use your gifts and give them away to bless other people's lives. I think that's, that's my message. I've, I found that one of my gifts is music, and I love giving it away to people to enjoy. And find your gift and give it away. That is so spectacular. I want to endorse everything 100 times. And each of you that listen, you're on the, you listen to this podcast because you want both the encouragement and strategies and ideas about how to live, create a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy. And what Gary's given us here is a gift. And so listen to it several times and think about how you can find your gifts and give them away so you can create your ultimate life. Open your heart in this time Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your feet